Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for being here. Really special guest for you today. I am interviewing Bob Eubanks. Now, Bob, he's best known as the host of the Newlywed Game. He was the host for five decades. You know, that's that's 50 years. That's something amazing. You know, I grew up watching the Newlywed Game. You know, I watched on Game Show Network some of the old um, games from the 70s and and um, the 80s and the 90s, and and it just it's a, a really cool show. He's going to tell you the premise if if you've not heard it. And I'm sure I'm sure if you live um, anywhere close to a TV, you've seen the Newlywed Game at least once or twice. I know they did some revivals with, oh goodness, I think it was Carney Wilson and Sherry Shepard, but nobody better than Bob Eubanks. It's the reason why he hosted it for 50 years. You, you're when you when you hear his voice, um, if you're not sure whether you know him or not, I think you're going to immediately say, oh yeah, I remember this guy, because he has a very distinctive, just good game show host voice, but he did a lot more than that. We're going to talk about that too. He actually was one of the first promoters for the Beatles when they came to the United States. Um, He managed and promoted several other big acts, Rolling Stones, Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard, all kinds of people. So he's, he was just a, a fascinating guy. It was such an honor to speak with him. He, he started hosting the game show when he was in his late 20s, um, back in the 60s. So he is in his early 80s now, still vibrant, still has that, that golden voice. Um, we are going to talk towards the end about a um, product that he's promoting called 60 Up that helps um, with balance for older people um, that have some balance issues. Um, it helps with anyone with balance issues, but it's kind of promoted towards people that are 60 and up. Really, really interesting product. I urge you to look at that. The link will be in the uh, description, um, but it was just an honor to speak with him. Uh, he's he's just an absolute legend in, in TV and in game shows, so it was, it was just a, a thrill to speak with him. Uh, I know you'll enjoy this one. Uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Bob Eubanks. I am here today with Bob Eubanks. Bob, how are you? I'm well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Well, first of all, I I, I don't think that you'll feel too terribly bad for me, um, but I had to drive through snow and a, and a blizzard to get here for this interview, and I know you're in sunny California. No. <laughs> I'm in I'm in rainy California right now. Well, I'll it's take cold rain over and it's a raining. Well, when you say when you say cold, how cold are we talking? Well, it's a heat spell for you, but it's 51 degrees as we <laughs> oh, talk right goodness. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you were born in not too far from Indiana in Flint, Michigan, um, but you didn't you didn't really grow up there. You did grow up in California. So so tell us just a little bit about. Birth. Good. Yeah, I had my second birthday in California. Uh, my parents were from the hills of Missouri, and when the Depression came along, all the hillbillies moved up to Michigan to work in the automobile factories. And then when the war came along, all the hillbillies moved to California to make airplanes. And so uh, I had my second birthday out here. I'm a Californian, let's face it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So are, are you? Is is that you saying that your parents were were possibly hillbillies? <laughs> Oh, heck yes. 
<laughs> my parents were hillbillies. And I inherited it also too. <laughs> so you're so you're a, a hillbilly by blood. Well, I don't know if I'm a hillbilly, but you know, I was in the rodeo world for a long time, and uh, you know, I produced a lot of of uh, country concerts. So I, I've been a I've been a a cowboy most of my life, really. I gotcha. Yeah, and that's something that I did want to talk about. Just life before game shows. Obviously, you know, a lot of us know you for you know, the newlywed game and things like that, but you were a, a, a really successful disc jockey before that. You uh, produced and, and managed um, several bands. So let's just talk about, uh, I guess, being a disc jockey in California and your experiences there. Okay, yeah, I uh, I worked at the number one radio station, uh, KRLA, in Southern California for seven years. And I was there with the big guys like Casey Kasem from Detroit and Dick Biondi out of Chicago and Wink Martindale from Memphis. And so I knew I'd better do something to make myself important. So long story short, I ended up, after the Beatles did the Ed Sullivan Show on February 9, 1964, I had never produced a concert in my life, but I ended up uh, getting the contract to produce their concert at the Hollywood Bowl in 64. And that was the beginning of a 20-year concert promotion career, I guess. Yeah, and that, that was something that I didn't know until I kind of did, you know, was doing some research on, on your backstory. So, yeah, you, I mean, you produced just a, a few local acts like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard, and a lot of other people. So besides kind of just wondering whether they ever made anything of themselves, <laughs> tell us just a little <laughs> bit more about that experience. Okay, first of all, I'm the only living person to have produced a Beatle concert all three years they toured America. And uh, because uh, of the whole English migration, I end up uh, producing Stone, Rolling Stone concerts. This is in Southern California for two years. And then, you know, every English act, uh, you know, Dave Clark Five, Herman and the Hermits, The Who, and all of those people, and I was in the rock and roll business until 1969. And then the whole San Francisco drug culture thing came across with the music, you know, the Janis Joplins and the people like that. And I didn't want to deal with it. So I got out, and in 72, I went back into the concert business. I went to see Merle Haggard, and he and I signed a exclusive live performance contract. And Hag and I were together for 10 years. Uh, and during that time, I did uh, uh, George Jones, Tammy Wynette. And then because of the success in the country business, some of the country acts came to me looking for personal management. And I was honored to manage Dolly Parton for a couple of years, Barbara Mandrell, Marty Robbins, and uh, got out of the concert business and went into the television production business and in the meantime, I'm still doing newlywed game and all of those things, too. So I've had a wonderful career, honestly, Jack, and, and I'm very blessed, and I, I don't take it for granted. I really don't. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And to be able to do all of that while you're you know on such a, a popular game show as well. So for those who, who don't know, you know, you've mentioned that you, you produce some acts, that you, you help manage some. Tell us a little bit, what is producing an act and what is managing an act what exactly does that mean okay. producing an act means that you rent the auditorium 
You buy the advertising. You guarantee the act money. You pay all of the expenses, and you pray to God that you have a profit at the end. <laughs> so I was a concert producer, if you will. And uh, the management, that's when the artist comes to you and said, help me craft my career. Which way should I go? Who should I sign with? Uh, how much should I charge? So you're crafting the career uh, of the act itself. And I, I think I was a pretty good manager, but I didn't care for management too much. I mean, you'd get a call in the middle of the night, say, I need to see a hairdresser, you know, and things of that sort. <laughs> so I, I, I liked the concert business, the concert business, and uh, but I loved the television production business also. And let's face it, Newlywed Game took 35 days a year. So hmm. I had a lot of time to do a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you, you know, you, we talked about the, the Beatles and, and you being able to, to produce them, um, you know, based off of, of some of that radio career. Um, and you have a, a stage show. Obviously you haven't been, been able to do that here recently, but, but tell us a little bit about what that, that stage show was. Um, and your, sure. I guess, yeah. I've, I've actually got two of them. We have a, like a live game show called Hollywood's Greatest Game Shows. Mm-hmm. That we play casinos throughout America. And uh, then I put together a show called Backstage with the Beatles, of which I tell never-before-heard Beatles stories that lead up to music, uh, and I have a, a Beatle tribute band on stage with me. And we've been really successful with it. Uh, there, there are a lot of Beatle fans out there, and uh, it's just a lot of fun to do. Uh, I'm very blessed that I'm still working. I'm, a, I'm an old dude. I tell everybody I'm 70 plus shipping and handling, but uh, <laughs> I'm really 83. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 awesome to to, to be out there and and sharing your experiences. So obviously, if 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 that that show comes to a, a casino near near me or, or near the the listener, um, you know, we don't we don't want to give you give away the the price of admission, but what kind of stories do you tell? Do you have a, a short one that maybe you can no. tell us? Well, on the the game show, if you're talking about the game show, when I play casinos, uh, sure. we do we use 42 contestants. We play nine different games. And then at the end of the show, 10 people vie for the chance to win a million dollars. And, okay. oh, my God, we'd love to see them win the million dollars because I pay so much for the insurance. But uh, it would be great publicity. And the Beatle, the Beatle thing, you know, we, we play, uh, we play colleges, we play auditoriums, uh, fairs, things of that sort with the Beatle show. Very good, very good. So let's, let's kind of get into, you know, the, the game show. Um, so in 1966, Chuck Bears calls you and tells you that he wants you to, to do a game show, and that was, uh, the newlywed game. So what was your initial thoughts? Um, you know, with that call, was it something that you were completely on board with, or was it something you were thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this? Well, uh, my friend Charlie O'Donnell, who was a disc jockey and, and was the announcer on the Dick Clark Show for many years, I wanted to sign with this particular agent, Abram Zuvaloff, and Charlie bet me $5 I couldn't sign with him. <laughs> so I, I ended up calling Noel Rubeloff, and he said, well, come and see me. I went to see him, and he said, you know, Chuck Barris has a, a new show he's, he's uh, going to pitch. He had the dating game on the air already. And uh, he said he's looking, maybe looking for a host. He may have one. So he said, 
are you interested? I said, heck yeah. You know, I've never done a game show in my life. I have no idea what it means. So I went to see Chuck Barris, and uh, he he and I got along pretty well. And he said, you know, let's just do a run-through and uh, see how you do. And I said, okay. So I, you know, here again, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I went into the room, and there was a girl who husband had been out all night gambling, and she was really ticked off at him, and it was really funny. <laughs> and I got credit for that humor, which I had nothing to do with. And uh, so I ended up winning the audition, and uh, then we had to show it to the big guys in New York. So the big guys flew out from New York, and couple number one was an unknown comedian named Don DeLuise and his wife, Carol. But what sold the show was there was a cute little blonde. Now, this is 1966, and television was pretty quiet at that time. And so there's a cute blonde at the end. I said, what's your favorite nickname for your husband? She said, numbnuts. And the <laughs> ABC boys flipped over backwards, went upstairs, bought the show without a pilot. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I was listening to another interview you had, had done, and you were talking about, you know, kind of the, the key in, in being a good host of a game show is just to let, you know, the the contestants kind of, control the humor because they're going to make it funnier than anything you would be able to do. So I think that's kind of what yeah, that's, what made it so successful. My opinion is that comedians and actors have a rough time. Steve Harvey is an exception to that. But you see, a comedian can't stand anybody to be funnier than they are. That's what I found. And also they, they really they out, want to outshine the format. Uh, you know, people don't want to know about you. They want you to know about them. And I found that if I laugh at people, I get nothing. But if I laugh with them, they'll just talk and talk and talk. So I learned mm -hmm. how to make people talk, basically. Yeah, yeah, and just not even necessarily say anything, kind of just facial expressions just that kind stare. of laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, when so you stare at somebody on television, they feel it's their turn to keep talking, and that's when they really open up. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so for for people who I guess have been using their their television as something other than watching it for the last, you know, 40, 50 plus years, what what was the the premise of the Newlywed Game? Well, it was four couples, four married couples married less than a year, and I would ask the the uh, I, would, I would say, let's take our ladies off to our soundproof room, and I would ask the gentlemen three questions, and then we, the girls would come back, and if they matched the answer, they got five points. And then we would take the uh, then we would take the gentlemen off, and I would ask the ladies four questions, the twenty-five point bonus question at the end, and whomever had the most points at the end of the show was a winner. And uh, I had some very funny answers. I had some funny things happen. Uh, one time, mm -hmm. we got a call from a lady who said, uh, "My, I saw my husband on the newlywed game with, with a mistress that I didn't <laughs> know he had. I said, what? <laughs> you know? I mean, how stupid would that be? <laughs> yeah. was, was that true? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. what happened to them. Can you believe that some idiot would go on television <laughs> with his mistress? I, I would just assume that his his need for that 15 minutes of fame was just above all else, I guess. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, yeah. and and uh, it was just fascinating to watch. Uh, and, and we would we had celebrities a couple of times, but here again, celebrities didn't do a good job on the show. They weren't that funny. Yeah, and and that that is something that that I was going to ask you about. You know, obviously with with all of your you know connections in the music world, you know, with, like with dating game and things like that, there was celebrities on that quite a bit. Um, you know, de- or early celebrities, anyways, when they were young. Um, yeah, but yeah. there wasn't a, a ton I, of. I even was on it once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was I'm now I I, I, I saw. No, that's that's just perfectly fine. That you're you're the you're the reason we're here, not me. So, um, oh no, So no, no. yeah, I, I saw I saw you on the show, kind of as a gag host. But were you actually on it as a as a participant? Yeah, to to uh, to plug the newlywed game, I went on as a participant, and I won. But I didn't go out with a lady because I was with someone else at the time. So. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a story about the dating game. One time, one time on the dating game, this lady chose a guy, and she had a weird feeling about it, mm-hmm. and so she didn't go on the date. The guy was a serial serial killer. He had killed six women, and was on the dating game, and that's how they caught him. <laughs> yeah, I had I had heard that story. That is crazy. I'm I'm just so glad Woo. that the. That, that she didn't, she didn't go out with him. That would have been a, a totally different. And the, the thing too, from, from my understanding was, you know, it's not like it, it was a later on thing. I think it was kind of in, in the middle of his, his spree. It was, yeah. He had already killed six, six women before he went on the show. You know. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, that's I mean, do, do you, do you, of the contestants that were on, you know, the newlywed game, obviously you didn't have any serial killers, thank, thank the Lord, but d- d- did any of them, that uh, you know, go on to, to do something? You know, you talked about uh, Don DeLuise. Well, no, I, I don't think anyone went on to do anything that I know of uh, because, you know, uh, but what I found is that I, I did the show for five decades off and on, and that mm-hmm. people that get a divorce – and come back with a new wife or a husband, they usually marry the same kind they just divorced. <laughs> it was fascinating to me to see how people would go after the same kind of a person, if you will. So so you did have some, some repeat guests with different wives or different husbands? Oh, yeah. Yeah, over the years. I was, You know, I did it, like I say, for five decades. You know? yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we had them come back. <laughs> Would you, I mean, would you acknowledge that, hey, welcome back? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That's, that's but, you know, I had some crazy answers. I don't know if I can say this or not, but, you know, there's that. There's a famous, famous uh, fact that I said, where's the strangest place you've ever made whoopee? And mm-hmm. the lady said, in the blank, Bob, yeah. I said, no, no, I need a location. <laughs> and it, yeah. it, it never it never got on the air, thank God. But uh, everybody says they swore they saw it, but they didn't see it. It didn't make it on the air, but it was pretty funny anyway. So I wrote a book called It's in the Book, Bob. <laughs> yeah, that, I like that. I, I, I believe you, you you were talking to someone else, and you wanted you wanted to, to write, but and then cross it out, but your, your publisher wouldn't let you. 
That's correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I've seen that that clip. You, you know, you were on a, a legendary game show moments, and I, I saw the the clip. Yeah. But I, I wasn't going to mention it because I feel like maybe everyone talks to you about that, and you might get tired of it. <laughs> ah, nah, I don't care what we talk about. <laughs> Yeah, so, so talk about anything you, know, you want to, my friend. <laughs> well, let's let's do it then. Let's talk about the the questions on the newlywed show. Um, they, the, to, I guess it's to put it mildly that they were there were some kind of strange questions and strange, you know, ways that you had to ask questions. So how did how did writing the questions come about? Was it all the writers and producers? Did you have anything to yeah. do with how they were written or? Well, there was three writers locked in a room, and they got a little crazy. I refused to ask about 50% of the questions that they came up with. Because, for instance, I I wouldn't say make love Uh because I didn't think you should have to explain that to your children until you were ready to do so. Mm -hmm. So Sinatra had a hit record called Making Whoopi. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll use Whoopi, but I won't say make love, even though every every, – you know, dramatic show was using the term, but I just wouldn't do it. And that's how Whoopi came about. Yeah, and now that I think you've made that term kind of universally known and, and famous. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I say for sure. Um, you know, you so with those questions, you said that about 50% of them you, you didn't, you wouldn't ask. Is it because they were just kind of a little racier than you wanted to go or they were just – yeah. Out there, and you thought they were you goofy. Right, writers just get you know they get locked into a room and they start coming up with stuff, and they'd come up with this, come up with that, and and you know some of them were very suggestive. Some of them had words I couldn't even pronounce, you know things of that sort. Uh, but they were very nice about it. I mean, nobody gave me any trouble about it. I just you know I just had certain rules of that if the couple was was going to get a little off color, that's fine. But I didn't want to get off color. Right, that that makes sense. So, again, with with more about the the questions, you some of the questions, even though you know you didn't necessarily have to say anything too too off color, they they put I guess kind of the the contestants in a a spot to to maybe say things that they shouldn't be saying. Um oh, and, yeah. and and things that I think sometimes people just get so nervous when they're on a show that they just say the first thing that comes to mind and maybe not the best thing for you know the the sanctity of their relationship so did you ever have any uh questions didn't go so well and then some tense commercial breaks no uh, you know but you know i remember asking a girl i said your husband urban or rural Uh and she says i don't know what they mean i said well come on now you know is he urban or is he rural she said oh heck he's urban (laughs) And and see had i laughed at her she would have shut up I said, oh, really? I said, how long has he been that way? Oh, about two months now. I said, has he done anything for his urban? Well, he went to the doctor. Oh, good. I said, did the doctor give him anything? He said, no, but the doctor gave me something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and that's... If you laugh at people, they'll shut up. But if you just go along with it, they'll keep talking. And I think that's the key because I think most people are just kind of would laugh. I think that's just kind of the the natural reaction when something's said that's kind of off. 
but yeah, I mean that that's what made the show so so good was your ability to to get people to to continue on on what they were were saying when sometimes it was a little bit out there for sure. And it took me a long time to learn that, but fortunately Chuck Barris let me learn, and uh, that that really helped. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, with, with that show, um, I mean, did you ever have couples on there that? That I mean, being on TV is is a nerve wracking thing. Did you ever have people that either were just crazy, crazy nervous and and maybe bailed on the show, or just crazy nervous and they had to kind of be talking off the ledge of, of even being on? No, uh, you know they would see the couples three times before they were booked hmm. uh, to make sure that they were getting what they thought they were getting, and so. The couples weren't weren't scared, but they were anticipatory and uh, maybe a little nervous. But I wanted them that way. Uh, that was that was a good thing. Uh, and uh, it, I found that all kinds of people can be funny. Quiet, shy people are funny. Outspoken, loud people can be funny. But you just have to let them be funny, and uh, that's what I learned to do, really. Right, right. So w- with with that show as well. Um, oh yeah, so you you were mentioning about you know that it, you're only you're only doing it for thirty five days a year. Um, you know, that that was kind of one of my other questions. I know with with Jeopardy and sh- and shows like that that you know they tape four or five a, a day and then they you know. Only only tape for a short amount of time. So that sounds like that was the same case with the Newlywed Game. So how it many is, shows yeah. did you did you do a day normally with the Newlywed Game? Well, I would arrive at four o'clock. We would play liars poker until five. I would go into makeup, and then I would meet with the writers and we'd go over the questions, and then I would do five shows. And hmm. so five shows that's thirty five weeks. They would take half of those shows and rerun them later in the year to get fifty two weeks. You see. Hmm. So they would they would kind of re rerun some of the shows, like not first air. Yeah, they would rerun half of them. Uh, this is on the network. They would rerun half of the shows to get a fifty-two week run. Yes. I got gotcha. you. I wonder how they decided which ones to rerun. Just the ones that they thought were the best. Yeah, and and what would, what Barris did, he had a rating system. Uh, a three five was a was a hilarious show. A one five was a boring one. So they would rate each show, and then they could look back and see which ones they wanted to rerun. I gotcha. Well, that that makes some sense. That you know, there, obviously every every show is going to have some some good ones and and some bad ones. It's really going to be dependent yeah. on you know the the people that are on there. It's very very dependent on what what the the couples are are saying. So, and you know the other show that I did that I really enjoyed was Card Sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did Card Sharks over over at CBS for two and a half years, I guess, and that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, yeah. I I was looking at some of the other shows you were on, Card Sharks, Trivia Trap, all, all kinds of them, and and that kind of brought up a, a question where, you know, with 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 some things they want a, a very like distinct host, like you know, I know. For instance, you know, the, the late Alex Trebek, he was on shows beforehand, um, you know, other game shows, but then, you know, Jeopardy, everyone knew him for Jeopardy. I think everyone knows you for the newlywed game. But in the game show industry, you know, I, I guess what, what's more important to, to those who, 
who are, are booking the host? Is it someone who, you know, is, is already popular and maybe makes the game show popular, or are they trying to find a distinctive host especially for that show? I'm really not sure because I look at television today and I see the hosts. I don't know who they are, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't I, – I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of some of them. You know, uh, Trebek was wonderful. He, he was wonderful. It's funny. I talked to Alex the Wednesday before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to him, the reason I called him is I saw him on TV, and I thought he looked wonderful. And I called him, and he answered with a very weak voice, hello. And I said, you okay? He says, no, I'm hurting bad. But bless his heart, he said, Bob, he says, I just want to thank you for checking on me. It means so much to me. And uh, he was just a good guy. And Alex and I had a conversation one time, and and he 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 said, uh, you know, wh- what ab- what about doing newlywed? I said, Alex, you couldn't do newlywed. You have to be a rascal. He <laughs> says, No, I'm a rascal also. <laughs> so. Uh, but here again, I think they're hosts for shows and, and shows for hosts. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah, so is there that, you know, that, that camaraderie between game show hosts? I know with, you know, actors are hanging with actors, musicians with musicians and, and things like that. Did you find that the other people that were doing game shows at the same time that you did kind of build that, that brotherhood? No, not really. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Sajak and I are good friends. We have dinner whenever he comes to the West Coast. And, uh, you know, Wink Martindale's wife used to be my secretary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but other than that, no. Uh, Barker and I, Bob, I guess is 97 now. Uh, he was, he had interesting ways about him. Monty Hall was wonderful. God, he was a good guy. But no, it's, it's a pretty loose group, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you you shared a uh, addressing with Bob Barker once, right? Oh, you heard about it, huh? I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I uh, I shared a dressing room with Barker. I'll tell the story if you're ready. I'm uh, ready. Whenever he whenever he was there, I wasn't, and vice versa. So I was doing card sharks, and I'm in the dressing room. And up on the wall is this elaborate uh, plaque that said uh, WG, WGGS, I guess it was. Anyway, uh, and so uh, I, being the rascal that I am, I one day took it off the wall and I put it under the couch. And so I'm out at the ranch and we're roping cattle. And I get an emergency phone call from Jonathan Goodson. And he says, Bob, where's Barker's plaque? I said, what plaque? He said, don't mess with me. Where is it? I said, oh, for God's sake, it's under the couch. He said, he won't go on until we find it. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, world's greatest game show host. I said, oh, okay. Oh my <laughs> but goodness. he wasn't going to go no, on yeah. until they found it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So two things from that story. One, maybe just a, a little bit of an ego you were working with. Two, it doesn't sound like he's probably, you know, that that one that you had the, the closest uh, closest camaraderie with. No. 
<laughs> no, I did not. You know, another Barker story is that he used to MC the Miss Universe pageant. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he's such an animal lover that when they gave Miss Universe a fur coat, he quit. He gave up really? a six-figure salary because they were giving away a fur coat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, that's, that's but he was, a, he was a really good host. So he was a really good host. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that, that show has continued on. and it, It's a totally different animal with, with, with someone else. Um, but, but, yeah, so I guess back to, to you and the newlywed game. The, the question that I, I kept forgetting, that kept, I guess, kind of skipping my mind when I was trying to ask you a little bit ago was, you know, with, with that show, you know, you were talking about rural and urban. And, and when, when a contestant didn't know what things meant, was it your decision not to really tell them, or was that kind of part of the show um, that you really couldn't explain no, things? Yeah. That kind of made things fun. No, I, 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 yeah, I couldn't explain it to him. I wouldn't explain it to him because that's where we got our humor. Right. You know? Right. You know, that's, that is a lot of times where the, the funny parts came. I wasn't sure whether that was something you know you had, had decided to do it because you saw that that was funny or whether that was kind of written into the show. No, you know, we just, you know, we, we just let it roll. That's all. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was so much fun to do. And I had a great time doing it. And, uh, that one and card charts were my two favorites to do, though, I will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, I guess, a a question of personal privilege. You know, somebody that was, was big into game shows, the being on them and, and loving them. Um, you know, in in the 70s and and beyond, um, was was Betty White. I love Betty White. I love the Golden Girls. Did you ever have any any uh, any communications with her? No, but she was married to Alan Ludden, wasn't she? She was absolutely. Yeah, I I took the star off of Alan Ludden's door one time, and he wouldn't go on until they found it. So I I gave it back to him. <laughs> No, uh, but you know, Betty is was she ninety some years old now? But she uh, just turned ninety nine last week. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? That's great. It's it's absolutely wonderful for sure, for sure. She's a really really nice lady too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, For sure. She and I used to have the same agent. We had the same agent uh, for quite a while. Uh, Fred Westbrook was his name. Oh wow. So did you also get the call to to try to to be cast as a golden girl? <laughs> no, you know I missed that one. I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about the the agent Fred Westbrook. Sure. Uh, many years ago in Atlantic City, a young eighteen year old boy walked up to me and handed me a complete rundown of my career at that time. I was doing a live show at at uh, Resorts International, and I thought this is fascinating. And so several years later, I find that he had moved to California and was working at a production company. And then I found out that he had become an agent. So I had a meeting with him, and he and I agreed because he was a game show junkie. He he has written two books about game shows. And we never had a contract, but he was the best agent I ever had. And I got a call one day, and he was on his deathbed, but cancer. Hmm. And he said, Bob, he said, you've been so kind to me. And I said, well, you've been kind to me, too. 
He says, I want to do something for little Noah. Now, Noah, at that time, my son, was like 10 years old. And I said, oh, Fred, you don't have to do that. He says, no, I want to. He left my son shy of a hundred grand. I couldn't believe it. Oh my goodness! Well, that could not believe it. That is that's that's crazy. That's that's that just shows, I guess, how how special he saw you and your your family. So that's really awesome. Oh, he was just an awesome guy too. But a game show junkie. He knew everything. But he represented Betty White, and he, he represented Adam West also, the Batman guy. Wow. Well, based on, you know, how how nice that, you know, they, they say Betty White is, just as you were you were mentioning, it sounds like she found an equally nice uh, agent, so that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a super, super nice lady. Alan Lund was a good guy, too. He really was. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sure. as I look back at the game show hosts, most of them were pretty, pretty darn good guys, and we were, we all just felt lucky to be there, really. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, the, from your your, I guess, era of game show hosts, you know, there, there's not a lot of them that are, are still out there doing something. I know you're, you're, you know, you have quite a few things. I know Chuck Bowlery, he's he's doing his thing for sure, but. I don't. I guess you don't hear from a, a ton of them anymore. And there, I mean, there might be reasons. No. Well, you know, it, it, there. I have a philosophy in life that you take what you know how to do and apply it in other areas. Mm-hmm. And there are guys, game show hosts, who are waiting for the phone to ring, and it'll never ring. It'll never mm-hmm. ring. Uh, so I have just always taken what I knew how to do and try to apply it somewhere else. And that's how I got into so many businesses, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a great segue into, to the next question. And, and you, you know, you did diversify your, your career and, and not just kind of peg yourself as a game show host. So let's talk a little bit about, um, your, your time. From 1976 to 2016, hosting the uh, Tournament of Roses Parade. That was a, a fun thing. I, I did the Hollywood Christmas Parade with Lisa Gibbons and Lee Merriweather for a couple of years. And then uh, KTLA Channel 5 came to me and asked me if I'd be interested in the Rose Parade. And I said, sure. And I, I was able to offer a, a little bit more than most people because I had this knowledge of horses due to my rodeo experience. And there were a lot of horses in the, in the Rose Parade. So Stephanie Edwards and I, uh, we, we did the Rose Parade and I did it for 34 years. And, uh, I just decided, uh, in 16, I guess it was, we decided to quit. Our ratings were really high. But I didn't want anybody, Vince Scully told me this, didn't want anybody walking into the booth and saying, you're too old to do this. So I wanted to leave while we were on top. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And so uh, it was a fun time. It was it was really, really a once-a-year nice thing to do. But uh, I'm glad we left it. Yeah. So obviously with, with parades, there's – you know, and, and outdoor events, period, there's bound to be mishaps. Was you, you're in your time hosting it, did, do you have any, uh, stories of, of mishaps that, that happened during the parade? 
Oh, my favorite one is when Roy Rogers and Dale Evans were the Grand Marshals, and they were in a convertible sitting up in the back of the convertible. And Roy, and they had a blanket over them, and Roy uh, forgot to go to the bathroom before the parade started. Mm. So he peed in his boot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. During the parade. <laughs> During the parade. Nobody knew. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, it was it was fun times, really. I remember when uh, one of the floats had Miss Piggy on it, uh-huh. and uh, the guy that worked for the organization that owned Miss Piggy, he got all upset. He called up. He says, "He says I want to come and see it," and he went to see it, and he had a fit. So what's wrong? He says. First of all, Miss Piggy is left-handed, not right-handed, and she's playing the banjo right-handed. And secondly, she hates the color orange. So what? She hates the color orange. So they had to kind of rebuild the thing, float, make her a left-handed, and get rid of the orange flowers. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess she, he's invested a lot of his, his time in creating Miss Piggy, but I don't know that so. she had a really real feelings about the color orange, but hey, whatever. And I feel really sorry for the float builders because the uh, the the uh, 2022 parade has already been canceled, and mm. these people—that's the business they were in, building floats—and I feel yeah. really sorry for them. Really, it's a tough time. For sure, yeah. No, it's it's been it's been an interesting time. What what have you been doing to to keep yourself busy during this? I know you're in California. There, you know, there, you, you certainly have a lot more lockdowns and restrictions than we do here in Indiana. So, so what have you been doing to keep oh, yourself? You know what busy? I'm doing? I, I'm going to write another book. It's called Short Stories About Big People. Huh. And, uh, so I'm having fun writing that. Uh, yeah, what else do I do? <laughs> I work out a lot. Yeah. And, uh, I'm married to the number one wedding planner in all of Southern California, so it's fun to watch her business. And my young son is now 17 and senior in high school. My oldest son is 62, and my youngest is 17. And hmm. then I have a another son and a daughter between those two. Uh, one of my sons is the number one stunt driver in the motion pictures. Hmm. Uh, he does uh, you know too fast too furious transformers all of those he started on the dukes of hazard and learned his craft there and uh but he truly is the number one stunt driver he's in dubai right now doing a movie hmm. and then i have a daughter who lives down in orange county uh, but i'm very blessed i i really am blessed i i'm still waiting to get my vaccine i hope it comes through sometime this week uh, yeah, but you know, I just I stay in and stay out of trouble and help my wife, and I'm here again. I'm very blessed. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I've said a lot. Of successful people, a lot of times, they have a really good foundation, and it sounds like you certainly do. You know, you, I, I see a theme. You know, your your wife's the number one um, wedding planner. Your son's the number one stunt driver. I'm just going to go out and say, and you're the number one game show host, so you you know how to uh, to create a family, I guess, huh? Well, and my daughter used to be a script supervisor at one time, uh, but my young son wants nothing to do with show business. 
period. <laughs> and, and my wife, when I first saw my wife, uh, she was Miss Colorado, then top five Miss USA, and I saw her win a hundred grand on Star Search. Hmm. And I said, that's the chick I want to marry. And as fate would have it, I did a charity event the following week, and she was there, and bingo. <laughs> yeah. And you, if I remember, you brought her on Card Sharks too, right? Yeah, I did, a couple of times. Yeah, that's... No, no, I did not. I, no, I don't think I did, Jackson. Uh, I, that was my daughter it was on Card Sharks. Oh, that was your daughter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's... No, my but my wife was an actress and a model, and she did a, a lot of different shows. And then one day she was going to an audition, and she hit traffic. She pulled off, and she called me, and she says, I quit. I said, come on home. So she <laughs> started her business. It's called Bella Vita Events, and uh, she's a perfectionist. She She has been very successful at what she does. And has she been able to to stay busy with everything too? I don't know what the wedding industry is like there. We're we're starting to, for better or worse, whether it's it's misguided or not. We're you know here in Indiana we're opening up a bit and we are allowing things like that. But I just don't know if that's the case in California. Well, they're allowing it here as long as you don't have too many people, mm-hmm. and um, naturally you have to wear the mask and the whole nine yards. But no, her business has been really crazy. People canceling and rescheduling and canceling and rescheduling. It's just been really, really tough. I mean, did you ever think you could walk into a bank with a mask on, take money, and walk out and not get arrested? I mean, good God. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it certainly is. You know, there's always that old joke that that any any event can be, you know, as exciting as you make it. You know, going to the bank can be exciting if you wear a mask, but now that's, that's, right. that's not even exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's just really tough time. Yeah. So you you know you've been you know very successful in game shows and the entertainment industry. For someone listening that that's interested in, in getting into entertainment, maybe not maybe not game shows. I don't I don't know if they're as prevalent as they they once were. But in the entertainment industry, what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, you need to find where you think your strengths would be. Uh, not everybody wants to be a host, or some people want to be cameramen, but it's, I think it's the most wonderful business in the world because there's no limit to what you can do and how far you can go with it. And you just need to just take your time and build up your confidence in the market you're in. But the industry is based in New York and L.A., uh, that's where it is. And so you need to be able to, to go to one of those locations and build your career from there. But I will tell you, it's a marvelous business. I mean, you and I are talking uh, right now, and you're doing something I never have done, and I'm doing something you never have done. And mm-hmm. it's, and we're both successful, and it's it's just a, a wonderful business. I wouldn't discourage anybody to not be in the entertainment world because there's a place for everybody. There really is. Right. Absolutely. No, that's, you know, that's what I've, I've talked about a lot with doing this podcast. You know, it's allowed me to talk to people that I, I never would have thought that, you know, I would have, I would be talking to, you know, I, I joked with, with Paige, the, the person you spoke with earlier, the, my, my scheduler, and 
you know, I was saying six months ago is when I started this podcast. Did you think six months ago that I was going to be having you call Bob Eubanks from the Newlywed Show? And and no. <laughs> so we, I mean, we've just got ourselves into all kinds of interesting things, and and it's because of you know the having that that platform. So it's it's been a a pleasure, and, and I think the entertainment industry as a whole just has a, a lot to provide for sure. Oh yeah, and you know, ten years ago, I, was there a podcast ten years ago? I don't know. I'd never heard of it, uh, but you know, technology is just doing all kinds of things. It's just fascinating. Absolutely, absolutely. So, speaking of you know the the present, let's talk a little bit about what you are doing now. I definitely want to talk a little bit about your your sixty and up product. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know how you got involved and in, in the benefits of, of okay. sixty and up. Thank you for asking. Uh, I, I went to a, a meeting with a friend of mine named Dan Metcalf, who was a very famous soccer coach worldwide. And we were coming out of the meeting, and he said, you're having mobility issues, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. I had both hips replaced, and I had severe back surgery, uh, all because of the rodeo days. And he said, why don't you come over to my house and work out? So I did, went over to his house to work out, and over the next month, he developed a balance board, and I can look anybody in the eye, Jackson, and tell you that it changed my life in a very short period of time. And it, it's just amazing. I'm now back playing golf. I am walking upright. I don't fall down anymore like I used to. And if any of your listeners are having balance issues or if they know somebody that's having, having balance issues, they need to go to the number 60, 60up.com and check it out because we've changed the lives of, of thousands of people so far. It was so successful for me that it took me about 30 minutes to raise the money to take it public and uh, we've done so and I'm, I'm very proud because what I wanted to do at the back end of my career is I wanted to help people. And I tell you, I can look anybody in the eye, the 60-up balance board is helping so many people, and I'm really proud of it. So so tell us, with, with the, the balance board, is there certain exercises people are doing, or, or are you just, you know, getting getting up on oh. the board and, and working on your balance? Or? No, there's about 200 exercises you can do, and the board comes with a DVD, and but... Every morning, 9 o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday, there are classes. And you go on to, to Facebook, and there's the 60-up class. And it, if you'll just follow that class, and the exercises look very, very simple. But if you're having balance issues, they're not that simple. And what is interesting that I found is that when you see people walking bent over, they're looking down. The eyes are controlling. What you have to do is learn to keep your head up so your brain and your body are working together. And that's what helped me tremendously. I could tell you that right now. But the exercises look very simple, and you can literally do them watching television. But you got to keep up, keep it up. Consistency is what's important. But I will tell you that balance board is a, is a marvelous, marvelous uh, apparatus, uh, especially for seniors. 
Even people with Parkinson's, by the way, have have noticed it's helped them too. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, you. So you know, with with the the name, and then you know, you're just mentioning for for seniors. That's obviously the the main market for for sixty up. Um, but do you yep. do you see it it helping you know other people? You know, you talked about having a, a back um, surgery and, and things like that. Do you see it helping people you know of all ages that have balance issues or 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 something of the sort? Absolutely. Anybody that has a balance issue, it will help. And and it doesn't take long for you to realize how much it's helping. We had to sell a house. We had a two-story house, and I was falling down. I couldn't go upstairs. Mm-hmm. Heck, I'm I'm back walking the dog and playing golf and having shooting hoops with my son. It's just incredible, and I'm so proud of it. Yeah, you were mentioning that it was a, a a quick process too. It's not something that takes for forever. So how quick are we talking? No. Well, for me, in about three weeks' time, I was walking better, and and another say another month after that, I was having all kinds of things that I could do that I couldn't do before. And like I say, I'm playing golf now, and I'm not not shooting too bad. I'm pretty happy with it, really. Uh, oh, that's, that's so good. it it will help, and it will help in a very short period of time if you stick with it. No, that's that sounds that sounds awesome. I, I like that you know you you mentioned that you know in in the in the second second chapter of your career that you wanted to do something that that helps people, and that's really cool that you that you've done that. So you it's called sixty up, and it's sixty up dot com, right? Yeah, it's the number 60 and then up.com. You can go on Facebook or wherever, and, uh, God, it's, it's just so wonderful. The guy that invented it, Dan Metcalf, uh, is, has 36 professional soccer players playing right now that he's trained. And so he was very much, an, and that's how I met him. My young son was playing soccer, and he was coaching for a while. Uh, but, boy, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's a game changer if you're having balance issues, and I was. All right. So I'm sure that's that's keeping you, you know, busy in promoting that. But I know that you you've said before that if you rest, you rust. So so tell us just a little bit about you know what else is going on. I know you talk about writing a book. So what 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 is the yeah. the future hold for for Bob Eubanks? And then also, how can we connect with you more? Well. The future is this. I'm writing the book and having a good time doing it. Uh, I'm promoting the 60 Up and doing uh, interviews with people like Jackson Huff. And I am uh, have the live Beatles show whenever we can get on the road again and the live game show. So I'm, I'm pretty busy. I really am. <laughs> For sure. And then you're, when it comes to connecting and finding all these things, 60up.com and then uh, BobEubanks.com too, right? Yeah, yeah. But the 60 up is really what's important. It really, really is. No, no, for sure. I'll tell you, it's been just an absolute honor and a pleasure to speak with you today. I really appreciate your time. Um, it, it was it was in, enlightening to to hear about. I think a lot of people's, you know, favorite game show and, and memories of that. Hearing, you know, about the 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 time as a, a concert promoter, 60 up, just a, a lot of really good information. So I really, really appreciate your time. 
Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you having me on the show. I really, really do. And uh, if I can ever help you with anything, you please tell me, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. And that was my interview with Bob Eubanks. What a pleasure to speak with him. It was an absolute honor. Um, you can just you just can see all the amazing things that he's done in game show hosting and hosting events and being you know a promoter and manager to some of the biggest bands of all time. It was it, he's just a, an honor. That's really all I can say. I'm almost at a loss for words that I was I was lucky enough to to spend a little bit of time with him. Um, that he was gracious enough to to speak with me. So I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Um, it, it was just a, a, such a cool experience, um, just to just to hear some of his stories and and hear some of the background behind some of our favorite music artists. And I know one of my favorite game shows of all time. So I, I, I just I don't know. I think that uh, that's going to be a hard one to to truly top when it comes to just legendary people and and people that uh, just is 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 somebody really. Um, special to I, I think American culture and, and in game shows so I, I hope you enjoyed that like I've already said um, thanks for being here really appreciate it um, see you next time and uh, take it away Chris this has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff thank you for listening be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or hey maybe even both But until then, keep being awesome.